the Canadian PodCow, a brand new podcast made by dairy farmers for dairy farmers and anyone interested in the Canadian dairy industry. My name is Sarah Sash and I'll be your co-host along with my friend Andrew Campbell. Which I'm very excited to do this with you, Sarah, because together I think we're going to explore different issues related to the dairy industry. We're going to learn, understand and analyze all of this and share with you our perspectives on Canadian dairy, both here at home as well as around the world. Well, thanks, Andrew. I'm so looking forward to it. We're totally looking forward to talking to everyone out there about the issues that affect our industry. For example, we'll be analyzing market trends and international trade. We'll talk about new developments in research related to dairy production and dairy products. We're going to talk about government policies related to agriculture. The list goes on. It does go on, Sarah. I mean, we could also talk about dairy nutrition. We can talk about crops. We can talk about the environment as well as the sustainability story that I think Canadian dairy farmers bring to the story about the environment. And I think the best way to do that is to invite experts, politicians, analysts, and of course, invite dairy farmers and give the floor to them too. But first of all, I thought the best thing to do, Sarah, if you're up for this, is we'll start by introducing ourselves. So thanks for being with us here on the Canadian PodCow. We hope you enjoy it. First, let's start talking about you, Andrew. I'm looking forward to learning more about you. Can you tell me more about where you're from? I mean, I know you're from Ontario. What else can you tell us about where you're located and what it is that you do? Sure, Sarah. So I am here in southern Ontario. The county is Middlesex we're in, uh, just west of the city of London. It's the farm that I grew up on, the farm my mum grew up on, and uh, we've been milking. I will be third generation here on the farm that actually milks cows. Um, my my grandpa, he started milking cows because uh, he went against the family business, which was like fame sheep genetics that went around the world um, because he didn't like sheep and wanted cows, I guess. So uh, we, he, he bought this farm, put cows in, and uh, yeah, we've been here ever since, Sarah. Hmm. I love that it came to the, to the family through your mom's side. That's a neat story. It is, actually. So my dad uh, was actually raised on a pig farm. Uh, and so they started milking cows on a different spot. And then my grandpa decided he was ready to retire. So they came and took over uh, his farm and they moved here, kicked him into town. So familiar with farming, but uh, not on the cow side. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So but he my my dad uh, is one that is not afraid to put hours in in a day. So dairy farming fit him and mum very well. <laughs> <laughs> like a well-tailored suit. <laughs> That's exactly right. He wouldn't know what to do with his free time. So <laughs> so how long have you yourself been involved with the dairy business, Andrew? So I, I actually left the farm to go to school, um, assuming that I would not be home to farm. I actually had great intentions of taking over for Peter Mansbridge, uh, hosting the National. Yes. <laughs> that was my that I was the very cool 15 year old that read the paper and watched the news. Uh, so that that's basically what I had decided I wanted to do when I moved 
off the farm, I quickly realized that to have that job, you have to live in the city. And I lived on Main Street in Wingham, Ontario, which for those that don't know where Wingham, Ontario is, is a town of about 2,500. And I thought traffic was atrocious. I couldn't stand all of the people around. And so clearly I would not have done well in the city. So I decided, and that, by that time um, I'd met my wife, Jess, and we decided that, you know, actually that farm back home would be a pretty great lifestyle and business and all of that. So we decided to move back and we've been uh, officially uh, on the farm now for about 10 years. Although we, you know, we were helping out uh, before that for a few years before that, just through the transition and that. So yeah, it's been, wow, 10 years, actually. I, I, I all of a sudden feel old, Sarah. <laughs> we're not talking about that today. <laughs> oh, okay. We won't talk about that today. <laughs> I think this is really encouraging though, for farm families to hear stories about farm children who leave the farm and then are like, oh yes, what I really want to do now is return to the farms. Because you hear that that people are trying to ask their kids to, you know, go out, get an education, spend some time away from the business and see if it's really for you. So that's fantastic that you made that decision to come back to the farm. Yeah, it was because and and I'm glad I did as well, because I think that had I just, you know, stayed home on the farm, uh, you know, I'd kind of always wonder like, oh, I wonder what that would have been like. But, you know, doing it in this order, like there's no regrets to it. And the nice thing is, is I, I kind of have this journalism background behind me and you know, it's it's come in handy and I and I still use it on a regular basis when, you know, you talk to consumers about agriculture, when, you know, the media calls and wants some information about things. You know, I, I feel like I can be helpful in those just because of the background. So, you know, it it all worked out for good reason, Sarah. Well, it's a key skill set for dairy farming I'm learning in recent times. And it stuck with me when you said to me in a prior discussion that you diversify your, your portfolio, basically, in your farm with doing journalism and, you know, some side jobs of that nature. And then additionally, spending so much time as you do on the dairy farm. Yeah, it was actually funny because when we did come home to farm, I mean, I think we fit in a lot of those succession plans where, you know, we wanted to come home, but there's only so much money the farm can put out in terms of salaries and, um, yeah. you know, kind of living wages. And when I came home, the, you know, it, it wasn't there for the farm. And so we talked about, well, do we get more beef cattle? Do we get goats? Do we get sheep? Do we get, you know, what do we do? And, you know, pretty quickly it was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. If I just go buy a laptop and a new <laughs> cell phone, I could actually, you know, kind of make a living on a few kind of side projects. And, you know, that that kind of turned into since then my wife and I now have a uh, communications company, Fresh Air Media. And, you know, it works really well that I can balance you know, I, I don't do near as much of that stuff through the summertime, but, you know, when things are a little quieter in the winter, then I can kind of hunker down in my office and help different groups and companies across the country. And it's it's just a fun way to stay involved in the entire agriculture sector and get perspectives from other people ar across the country. Oh, I think that's really great. Um, in terms of the farming operation itself, can you tell us a bit about your dairy, or how many cows you're milking, what kind of situation you have going with the actual farm business? 
Sure. So we have, uh, we milk about 65 cows. Uh, it's a partnership that we have with my wife and I and my mom and dad. And then we've got our two kids, uh, Bella and Cash, who are nine and seven. And so they're obviously quite helpful too around the farm now. And so we, you know, we've had that for a, a decade as a tie stall barn. We actually, as I speak, they are pushing ground for our new robot barn. So it's going to be a very exciting winter around here um, because, you know, we've, we've kind of decided that that's where our future will lie for at least the dairy side. And, and, and you know, we're kind of excited to, no, well, not kind of excited. We're very excited to kind of make that investment. <laughs> not just a little and bit. Not just a little. Oh, my goodness. It's... <laughs> It's exciting days, Sarah. We're 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 really thrilled to be doing this, and we're really excited for what's going to come in the next couple of years, and and just to build the future of the dairy side of our farm business. Oh, that's super exciting! I, I'm excited for you, having gone through that myself. We'll talk about that later, but it's just a fantastic transition, and the opportunity on the other side of it is really exciting and encouraging. So what kind of challenges are you facing in your area? I know this was an awful summer for a lot of people in different parts of the country. What are what are some challenges that you're seeing in, in Ontario right now? Or has it been a pretty decent summer there? Uh, that would depend on the week you would ask me, Sarah, because <laughs> it's one of those where, I mean, it was one of the best springs we had uh, in terms of getting crop in. And um, it's actually the first, my, my one of my brothers has come in on the grain side of our farm business. And so it was kind of his first year to plant his first farm. And like, you couldn't have asked for a better spring. So we, we did that. Um, it got a little dry, then it got very wet, then it got nice again. Um, you know, and now, you know, into the fall, you know, we've finished up corn silage, uh, beans are around the corner, the crops actually do for kind of the ups and downs we've had, you know, yields actually look pretty fantastic. So, you know, I, I've got to say that the year we've had has been has been a, been a pretty good year. We'll, you know, obviously until it's in the bin, we're not so sure, but, you know, we're pretty confident it's looking pretty good. So tell me about these grains. Uh, in the part of the country that I'm farming in, it is uh, not a thing. So how many acres in in total is your operation and what kinds of different crops do you do? So our uh, main crops are, we obviously grow for the cows, we grow corn for silage, as well as um, a bit of corn for grain corn. Uh, we grow some hay, mostly alfalfa, and, and that kind of does it for the feed side. And, and, and we're pretty fortunate that we can grow the vast majority of the feed we need for the herd uh, right here on our farm. And then we also grow uh, soybeans and wheat are kind of the other two main crops we do. And that's, you know, for here in uh, southern Ontario, that's that's a pretty typical grain rotation is the corn, soybeans, wheat. That's we definitely are among great company in, you know, kind of the entire province growing those three. That Those are the main crops here. I'm going to learn things here too. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It's, it, you know what, it's, it's a fun, you know, kind of added challenge that, you know, some days when you don't feel like being in the barn, you can sit and be in a tractor for, you know, kind of the entire day and just, you know, try your hand at something different. So yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's an, it's an interesting farm business to be involved in too. Hmm. 
And it will finish up here with one more. What encouraged you to want to do this podcast? Like why do the podcast? Why get involved in, in this project and, and connecting with producers across the country? That's a good question, Sarah. I think, uh, you know, part of it is that, you know, I I enjoy listening to podcasts pretty regularly. It's actually, you know, when I go out in the morning, you know, my podcasts have kind of downloaded from the night before and I put my earbuds in and I go mix feed and clean mangers and do bedding. And that is actually, you know, what I listen to now almost every morning. And, you know, it's a great way to absorb you know, different perspectives, different things from different industries. I love listening to business podcasts from other sectors as well, just to try to get, a, you know, some ideas and, um, you know, thoughts from other people in other parts of the country and other parts of the world about, you know, maybe what could be relevant here, what we could do. And that's really what I think we can do here with this podcast and why I'm so excited to be a part of it is, you know, how can we take some of these key issues that I think we as farmers, you know, think about, or maybe, you know, it's an issue for one area of the country, but another area never thought of it. You know, how can we share some of that information back and forth? And how can we have these conversations that, you know, everybody across the country can listen in on and be a part of and, you know, ho hopefully learn something. And I think we're all better off for, for knowing some of that information. We have such vast diversity across the country in terms of the way we run our operations and what our farms are like and all of those things, but so much in common. So I'm definitely looking forward to the conversations too, Andrew. Thank you so much for telling us a bit about yourself. We're going to stop for a, a short message from our sponsor and we'll be right on back. If you ask Canadian dairy farmers what it takes to become global leaders in sustainable farming, they might say, Conserving wetlands with Ducks Unlimited Canada. Working with clean farms to find innovative ways to reduce plastics. Supporting biodiversity with Tree Canada. If you ask dairy cows, well, they always say the same thing. Dairy Farmers of Canada, doing more today because we're here for tomorrow. Find out more at herefortomorrow.ca. Well, now, Sarah, you get to be in the hot seat this time and, which is very exciting for me, we get to learn a little bit about you and, you know, how you've come to have your farm and be involved in the dairy industry and get more and more involved in the dairy industry over the last few years. So maybe, Sarah, we can kind of start with, you can give us a little bit of a history lesson on yourself is, you know, where are you from and how did you end up on the farm in BC? Because I know it's not one you grew up on. Uh, yeah, nope. <laughs> so I'm from a very small town in the West Kootenays of BC. Um, I was raised in a town of 350 people. And then I grew up in the forest industry myself and went to UBC. And I have a Bachelor of Arts degree from there. And then I worked in the mining industry in Vancouver. And then um, eventually I was in a wedding in Chilliwack, which is a very agricultural community here in BC. And uh, there I met my husband, who is a dairy farmer. So I we got married in 2009, I think. Oh boy. <laughs> We've been married for 12 years anyway. And uh, so I've been living on the farm here and have just become increasingly involved both in the family business as well as in the industry in the province here in BC. Not this very cool to just like 
as fate would have it, here you are in the dairy industry, probably never <laughs> thinking in your lifetime. Wouldn't it be no. amazing to marry a strapping young dairy farmer? Like that must have never have come up before. <laughs> He'll be pumped you called him strapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep it our secret for now. Uh-huh. So but, don't need his ego yeah, too big. No, truthfully, I would never have ever thought I would be involved in agriculture, but having been involved in two other resource industries prior to joining it, there's certainly a lot of similarity. And uh, in terms of my skill set, like when I was working in the city, I worked as a corporate secretary for a publicly traded company listed on the TSX. And so I have a lot of skills in terms of governance and minute taking and all kinds of things that are not really naturally things that people know a lot of stuff about in the dairy industry. But the more you get involved in the industry, the more you learn there's such a business side to it. There's all the organized, you know, governance side. There's the interprovincial stuff that goes on. And uh, I guess it's when we built our barn, we built a robotic barn in uh, 2015 on the farm here. And I really wanted to connect with producers who also had the same technology. So I started going on social media more. I was on Instagram just to look at other people's barns that they were building or had built and then to share about what was happening in the process of building ours. And I started connecting with people that way. Um, and then I was able to grow a larger and larger following. I didn't. I was unsuccessful at the whole thing of connecting outside of the dairy industry. I would say I, I do not give myself a win on that, um, which was probably my original intent was to connect um, outside. But what I did was really, really connect inside and get to know a lot of dairy producers um, all across the country through social media and become really more well known in our province. Um, and eventually I was able to get involved in industry leadership over a number of years um, through those connections. Because as a person who came from outside the industry, uh, when I first got here, I was like, well, there's no chance I'm ever going to be able to do this because no one knows who I am. <laughs> Everyone's been so involved in the industry for so, so very long and has all these family ties and all those sorts of things going. And I didn't have that, but I guess I was able to build a base Um, by connecting with people through pictures and stories and information about my farm and my family. Well, then let's talk about that, because when you talk about industry involvement, I mean, you know, you're 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 not bragging enough. You are the vice chair of BC Dairy. Um, You have you have a hugely important role in the dairy industry, you know, obviously in Canada, but especially in BC. You know, I'm curious, not everybody is called to the great world of meeting rooms. And, you know, nowadays, you know, Microsoft team meetings, uh, you know, but but you sound, I can, I can already hear it from you. You enjoy it. You want to be involved with it. Why? I love it. I just wanted, I think the original thing was, is when I was involved just on social, then I started being connected with people and they kept saying to me, well, where can I buy your milk? Like, how can I get your milk? I want milk that just came from your farm. And then I was like, well, it's Canada, we're supply managed here. And then I had to get further and further down the path of explaining what the benefits of that are and why everyone's milk is part of the picture. And, you know, so then I found I wasn't just speaking for myself, I was speaking for an industry when I was trying to just say what it is that I do here. And so that kind of grew and grew. And um, back in 2016, I was invited to, uh, there used to be in the West, a a development conference called the Future Leaders Development Conference. And uh, I was fortunate to go there. And that's the first time that I had met producers from other provinces. So there were people there from 
all of the West and a couple from Gay Lee had come as well. And uh, so I made connections with all these different farmers and then was able to see how province to province there's so many differences and as you move across the country everything's done differently i was shocked at the time someone was milking you know they had two robots running and then additionally they were milking in a parlor at the same time and i was like what are you talking about i i wasn't familiar with people like you were describing grain farming and cash cropping and all these sorts of things that are happening and uh Coming from outside the industry, I just had no clue about the diversity of it. So I became really intrigued with that and wanted to know more and get more involved and connect with more people. And uh, yeah, I just went for it with that. <laughs> well, it's it's exciting. So then, like, it, you know, in your role, uh, I mean, I would assume there's obviously the, you know, board governance, there would be some government lobbying, there'd be some policy work. What's your... What's your favorite part? What brings you the most joy out of being involved with BC Dairy at the board level? Well, that's a challenging question to answer, Andrew, um, given the two years we've just been through or whatever it is. It feels like two years already. <laughs> but uh, with the pandemic, it certainly changed what the look of um, advocacy and lobbying and all those things is or feels like to me. Um, we used to travel a lot. We used to meet people and be having, you know, side conversations. And that's really what fueled me is all of this learning and all of the energy that I picked up from that, from traveling and seeing people and, you know, sitting on the plane next to someone and sharing my story and then getting to a meeting and sitting at lunch with someone and learning their story. And, you know, I would always come home with something new to bring to the farm, like, asking about, you know, have we ventilated the barn this way or is there a reason we did it that way? Like I always had something new. And so Zoom really took that away, <laughs> it felt like. And everyone will know what that feels, but it was just gone. <laughs> so yeah, it's really it been a lot more of the functional side of dairy, but the work that we've been able to achieve in that time, like much respect to all of the staff in all of the provinces and at the national organization who are still plugging away, working on behalf of producers in this time, the work that's been accomplished in the, in the time that we've been having to work in this format is going to serve us so, so well into the future. And like you mentioned, um, governance, I mean, it's not a fun part of being involved in, in any type of, you know, national organization or things like that. But having good governance and having the foundation set to that really, you know, that's the rules of engagement and it sets up your organization to be successful in the future. So we've been able to spend a lot more time on that than we would have been doing. So I'm chair of governance here in BC. So if anyone ever wants to talk governance, you know who to call. Um, but also I love the advocacy side and we've really been able to dive into that in BC um, during the, the pandemic times we've been meeting, you know, I've met with probably 35 or 40 separate politician meetings this year on Zoom. So it's a great way to connect with them. We are able to just like Zoom into their offices and talk to them and, and get involved. And so the, the number of people, I've definitely broadened my network during this time um, in doing what I do. And uh, now I'm up for re-election this fall. So we'll see <laughs> if, if after November I am just a podcaster. <laughs> 
<laughs> just a podcaster. I, I, I Easy, Sarah. Like just a podcaster. <laughs> it is. That's you're supposed to put excitement to it. You are a podcaster. That's well, the excitement now. And I'm if this podcast doesn't work, how about a governance podcast? I bet you'd be great at that too. I don't think anyone would listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about, I do want to switch gears a little bit because I do want to know a little bit more about your farm too, that obviously, you know, you've been able to, you know, widen your network over the last couple of years, partly because you don't have to leave the farm anymore. So, you know, when you are at your farm office, uh, you know, what surrounds you? How many, how many cows are there? You mentioned you've got robots, which I'm jealous of a little bit. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about your farm. Well, I'm fortunate to operate a farm business here with my husband, Gene, and my brother-in-law, Grant. And we're on their parents. Uh, their parents started the farm here in the early 1970s. So they're third-generation dairy farmers. I obviously am a uh, farm import <laughs> to that. But we, in 2015, built the three-robot barn. So we milk 100 and, uh, as of today, Gene says it's 142 cows <laughs> we're milking. And uh, we raise all of our young stock on the farm. So in terms of my role here, I manage our calf program. I work in the barn on weekends all of the time, and uh, then I'm just basically a general gopher doer of the things. I do all of our business uh, functions on the farm, and then I drive buggy and rake grass and do that type of stuff also, but I'm only part-time. So that really gave me the opportunity in like Gene and Grant farming together. They are both full-time on the farm. I'm part-time on the farm doing the business work for them, and then I'm able to fill in that other part of my time. Not only that, but I'm a mom to two boys on the farm. They're 11 and 9, and uh, so I have the flexibility to be around when they need me, and then I just fill in the rest of the time with this industry stuff that we were speaking about. So that's kind of what our adventures here look like. And in terms of the size of the farm, we're farming about 150 acres um, and grow our own corn and grass and that sort of thing, but no grains. Well, it's it's a different climate though in BC. I've had the fortune of being there several times and like wheat's tough to grow there. Well, I, I lie to you because corn's a grain, I guess. Well, <laughs> but we yeah, but, it like grain. <laughs> but it is. It's 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 a different. It's it's a completely different environment. I always love driving through the area through BC because it is so different. Uh, you know, in, in terms of you know both environment and climate and. Like you talk about the importance of advocacy, like when you're in BC, it is the most important because you are probably next door to a million people in the city. Like, and I, by next door, I mean like right there. Like it's, it's, it's different there. Yeah, it's definitely like, even in our community here in Chilliwack is a agricultural based community, but we're now a community of over a hundred thousand people. So it really does change. Like you're just right on the interface of it all the time. And, uh, that I serve on our agriculture council in the community as well. Like on the, we have an agricultural advisory uh, council at the city of Chilliwack. I do that work because just trying to connect across the, you know, you, you don't want to ever make it sound, oh, it's us and them all the time. But agriculture is part of the fabric of what we do here. But there's so, so much else going on. We've got tons of people moving from big cities out this way because of affordability of housing and all those sorts of things. And they're just not familiar yet with what agriculture is and what it does in the community and what's beneficial about it and uh, and why it smells. So, 
Well, step one, they need to listen to the Canadian pod cow. Then they might understand more. So when we talk about the podcast, Sarah, why did you say yes to being a host? What, What excites you about being part of the podcast? I, that whole communication piece, to me, that's the most fascinating thing at this point in the industry is trying to it's not so much what we say, but how we say it. I'm finding the more we do in dairy, um, you can have the everything sorted out. You could have a plan for what you're going to do. But if you don't do it, it's relevant to the people you're trying to reach. Um, it kind of, you know, kills, the, <laughs> guts the thing a bit. And so I'm excited to connect in this format. I think it's really been a great way to, you know, connect with farmers and reach them where they're at. I'm always talking about reaching people where they're at. And I think, like you say, if if you can catch us in the mixer wagon or you can catch it while you're out, you know, dragging pipes around the field that you don't want to be moving and it brings a little uh, brightness to your day and helps you learn a little something and just kind of gets you out of the, the farm bubble for a little bit, it'll be worth it. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that side of it and just growing connection and and getting to know more about producers as they uh, get to learn more about us and all of our guests. So that's kind of sums it up for me. It's definitely going to be exciting, Sarah. I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to doing this with you. Likewise. I I remember way back in the day you came and presented at our dairy conference here in BC. It it has to be, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. It was not yesterday. Let's not talk years. Let's not talk years. I still think you're young, so you're good. (laughs) You haven't seen me for eight or nine years. Perfect. Oh, geez, of social media here. But but yeah, we're uh, going ahead actually in person with with our dairy conference, I think, this year. So... It'll be good. I've almost forgotten what seeing people in person feels like. <laughs> That's all for this first episode of the Canadian Podcast. Thank you very much, everyone, for taking the time to download it. We hope you liked it as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So if you did, we hope you'll take a minute to share it on your networks, on your media. You could share it on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. It would be greatly appreciated to have your support and have others in the dairy industry find it. We would also like to thank Dairy Farmers of Canada, who made this podcast possible, and Bruce Sargent for the production. And a heads up, we have invited Pierre Lempron, the president of the Dairy Farmers of Canada, for our next episode. And we're going to talk about the federal election and a whole lot more. It's going to be a great episode, I think, Sarah. We hope you'll be there. Thank you and talk to you soon.